alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. Welcome to the 77th annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody, and I'm driven by my pal, Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. Uh, you left at the perfect time because I'm kind of freezing my balls off here. Yeah, I, I kind of think so, too, because when I flew in, it was in the late afternoon, uh, decent weather out, but... The entire week has been highs in the mid-90s, so definitely a lot cooler than when I left. You probably weren't here long enough to, like, get shocked from the weather change, I suppose. Well, that last day when I was walking to the airport uh, from the parking lot, I could definitely feel it. It was it was pretty cool. Really? Yeah. Well, Phil, uh, why don't you tell us about some of the news in the conspiracy world? Well, first off, uh, I really just wanted to thank all of the listeners and everything. Uh, we just hit 100,000 downloads. So figure that's pretty, uh, not exactly main page conspiracy news, but thanks everybody for that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I was going to ask you real quick. Did you hear about all of the fires that are going on in California right now? I have. Yeah. So apparently it was all started by a gender reveal party. Well, uh, <laughs> that's about the most stupid shit I've ever heard. Yeah, I couldn't quite believe it when I, well, I'm. it's started by humans. So yeah, I could believe it. <laughs> but yeah, I just, it's the memes that have been going around about that are just pretty crazy. But yeah, hopefully every, hopefully everyone out there is safe and not losing their homes. But it looks from the, from the pictures that I've seen. There has been like quite a few homes that have been lost and a lot of people pro like a lot of people's property. And I'm not sure exactly if anyone's lost their lives over it yet, but hopefully not. I mean, whatever happened to just simply like, I don't know, what do you do? Like you, you pop a string balloon and here comes blue or pink uh, confetti out of it. Or you like bring out a cake that's blue or pink or you know, you do a burnout with those tires that change color based on the smoke. Like, whatever happened to just doing that? Why do you have to... I'm assuming it's a firework or something. Yeah, something like that. Uh, from everything I've seen, it's usually something like what you mentioned or a pinata. Where oh, there you either, go. Either pink or blue candy falls out when you break it open. Yeah, why don't we just stick to the safer means of, of doing those things? Because I hope whoever did this... Uh, sorry to the fire feels like a real asshole right now. Cause I don't know if anybody's, maybe people have gotten killed. I'm not entirely certain, but I do know there's a lot of stories of people whose like homes have gotten burned down and stuff like that. Yeah. It's all about those Instagram likes though. Getting on that <laughs> social media with your video and, uh, that's the old cynical Phil I miss. Yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> anyway, so, uh, subliminal deception actually has some pretty big news here. So first off. We finally have a website. Now, how we've decided to launch it between uh, myself, Phil, and my partner on Bumblebutt Podcast, Adam, is we've created a network that we are calling Weirdos United Network. Now, I would assume most people who listen to these shows would consider themselves weirdos, so we felt it was appropriate. But the beautiful thing is, is you can log on to weirdosunitednetwork.com you can log into bumblebuttpodcast.com or you can log into subliminaldeception.com and it's going to take you all to the same place you can listen to the show from there you can follow all our socials on there mine phil's whatever you want the podcast social and one of the best features i think what will be for this show is you hit the contact page there's a tiny little form you fill out and it instantly sends us an email. It makes it really easy to 
email us if you are not connected to us on Instagram or whatever. So I think that's really cool. And I actually did test it to make sure it works and it works <laughs> great. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I'll have to jump on there and send us off a message. <laughs> uh, the other thing is, it's that time with every podcast where it's time to launch a Patreon and Thankfully, when Phil was here, we were able to get some recordings in. Now, the mainstay of what we're going to do with our Patreon until we grow it more is Phil and I have decided to use Amazon Prime to watch documentaries and him and I give commentary in the audio form. So essentially what the best way for you to enjoy it is we tell you what documentary we're watching. You boot that up on your Amazon Prime. I give a countdown, you hit play, you watch it, and listen to our commentary. I think that's the best way to enjoy it. Uh, we basically don't even really pay attention to what we're talking no. about, what we're watching. We're just kind of roasting the crazy people on the documentary. Now, our Patreon will be pretty easy. Patreon.com slash subliminal deception. $2 and up will get you access to this audio. We're going to start off with a real hot one. I don't even know how I found it in the fucking cellars of Amazon Prime, but it's going to be, what is it? Time Traveler from 3036. Not yes. only is the commentary great, the documentary itself could be put into the category of ultra cringe. What do you think, Phil? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, we don't, these are the, this is the only real way to actually put these documentaries on is having the commentary of just people who are destroying. It is, these are some of the cringiest documentaries you will ever see, but we promise you it is pretty fucking hilarious commentary. So oh, it's a great watch along. Oh yes. We had a, a test subject, uh, Bianca <laughs> watching along with us and she was dying laughing. So our ultimate goal with this is Phil and I want to be able to release Two of these episode, um, episodes a month, that is our ultimate goal. If some, some months were too busy, we'll 100% get at least one out. But two should be completely doable. And we 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 had quite a few of them in the, in the tank here. And I'm telling you, I'm searching the pits of Amazon Prime to find these unregulated documentaries. And I can tell you, I don't know who the hell approved the Time Traveler one, but... It has every single trope you can imagine in it. It is beautiful. Yeah, definitely. If also, if any of you ever wanted to like make a documentary about any subject, Amazon Prime apparently will just throw it up there because these are some of the they have they are the lowest rent documentaries I've ever seen. I can't believe these are like the pits of YouTube documentaries that are on Amazon Prime somehow. Uh honestly. You got, you brought up a good point before you left. Uh, YouTube is a wide open market as well, so we'll probably end up doing yeah. some of them. But, uh, but yeah, basically we're going to start the Patreon, we're going to release the audio, we're going to get some stickers, we're going to take that money, and then hopefully reinvest it into getting some shirts. Phil has seen the uh, prototype design that I'm working on. I think it's pretty fucking sweet. It'll make an awesome shirt. Um, and we'll just keep doing stuff like that. Keep growing the Patreon. That's our goal. If you really appreciate the show, we really appreciate the support. Anyway, Phil, that's out of the way. Should we dive into this week's conspiracy? Yeah, let's hit it. All right. Well, we haven't done one for a while, so I wanted to go into a UFO case. All right. Now, this one is the Salta UFO case. Have you ever heard of this? No, I have not. Okay, so this is... This is a pretty big one, I think, in the in the community overall. It's a very, very interesting case, to say the least. Part of me thinks it has too many tropes in it to be believable, but once we get to the end of the, uh, the saga here, we'll, we'll talk about that. So, the following unexplained UFO event transpired around Salta, Argentina, which is located in the northwestern corner of Argentina. Now... Being that Argentina looks is shaped essentially like a giant sausage, um, I, w <laughs> I was taken back with just how large Argentina is. How the hell did they get that much land? I don't really know. I mean, maybe they just like asked for it right away and they just got the biggest chunk, kind of like Texas. <laughs> they just they took the 
the biggest chunk they felt like. You ever heard the joke, why an Alaskan person can't visit Texas? No, why? Because they get too claustrophobic. Oh. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> that's- <laughs> yeah, uh, in that's case, for, for our foreign listeners, basically, man, you could fit like, how many Texases in Alaska? Like f- three or four of them, I think. I think it's about three. Yeah, yeah it's Alaska's very big, even though the population's very small, and where people actually live is very tiny, which is which is weird. But anyway, now by all accounts, August seventeenth, nineteen ninety-five, great year, uh, should have been any normal day for Tony uh, Galvano, but around one forty-five p.m., Tony spotted something in the bright blue sky. Now, Tony would describe the object that he saw as, quote, a sort of flying saucer of a bright metallic color. Now, the UFO was shooting across the skies over the Serenia region of Joaquin V. Gonzalez. I believe I pronounced it right. It, I thought this was kind of weird. They named like a, I think it's like a section of the country, basically someone's entire name, right? Is that not kind of what you're getting out of that? Yeah, I think it maybe was just that one dude thought that he was the first person ever to see it and just planted his flag down. Okay, how rich and powerful would subliminal deception have to become where we could rename Lime Springs, Iowa, like Cody Wong in Iowa? I think we would need about (laughs) $8.50. Okay, we're going to bring in a Knights of Columbus club. And we're going to put two new bars and we'll bring back an ice cream shop. And I think we can own it. Yeah, they've got a they got a Casey's now, so they're on the up. Mm, but it's like on the outskirts of town. You wouldn't even have to enter the town itself to know it exists. That's the best place for anything <laughs> is to not be in that fucking town. All right. Now, here is a very interesting thing Tony would say later. While he was witnessing the flying object overhead... There were two other projectiles following it that he believes were missiles. Okay, now I we've talked about a few other UFO cases where it seems like they could be under attack sometimes. Uh, you remember those? Yes, I was also thinking it kind of sounds like there's some stories that you hear where the UFO seems to break apart or there's little like almost like probes that come out of it and follow it around. Or go off and do other little missions and then come back. Well, you've like we I I assume you've seen the videos where they you almost see like the light ball and then there's like little fireballs that like split apart and then like merge together again. Have you seen some of those? Yes. Yep, those are the ones I was talking about. Oh, okay. Well, let me let me keep reading here. Eventually the missiles would strike the UFO, which according to Tony, the craft then began to fail and just fell to the ground. Just a second after hitting the ground, Tony said there was a powerful explosion followed by intense seismic movement. So I don't think these are probes. Well, maybe it's probes. Maybe it was like the uh, the Nova Scotia UFO that was like failing and coming down and the other craft was trying to save it. But it almost sounds like this thing was being attacked by some sort of military force. Could have been. This it kind of made me think uh, in up in northern Argentina. I think that's where a lot of like the Nazis after World War Two. Oh, that is a good point. I mean, would they have enough power to have like an mm. anti UFO missile, though? Probably not in the 1990s. But I mean, unless they're shooting goddamn bratwurst and sauerkraut at, I don't know what the hell they could be doing to it. Yeah, I imagine in the 1990s the there had to have been military forces in South America that could afford surface-to-air missiles. I After, okay, by the time we get to the end of this, the thing I'm kind of starting to wonder is if, I don't know what government it is, if it's all of the governments or if, like, each government has, like, a secret program, but it seems like the Earth just has defenses that we don't know about that attacks these UFOs. Well, it was, uh, we were talking about the UFO down in South Africa. And it seemed like they were interested in that UFO. And they're not exactly a first-rate power. So, Yeah, and, and you said there was rumors about Russia uh, shooting these things out of the sky too, correct? 
Yes. Yeah, that was Russia's basically what they would do uh, like back in the Soviet Union days. Any UFO that they saw, they would try to shoot it out of the sky, even if it meant losing the pilot who went after them. They would try to take them down. Jesus. Supposedly. I mean, that's the Russian way. Yeah. The uh, What if all the UFOs were actually just like intergalactic Je- Jehovah's Witness <laughs> and they were trying to deliver the message of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of heaven and uh, they set up earth defenses to, <laughs> to stop them? <laughs> that would be, I wish that like my apartment had the same kind of defenses whenever someone <laughs> would come around knocking on my door. <laughs> All right. Now, here's the interesting thing. I mentioned the seismic movement. Now, according to multiple witnesses, the seismic activity could be felt from almost 200 miles from the crash site. That would have to be a very large explosion, wouldn't you think? Yeah, that is almost as powerful as, say, possibly Rosie O'Donnell's <laughs> falling to the ground. It's Jesus, Phil. Quite a big earthquake. I mean, yeah, that that could be. <laughs> or a uh, pack of uh, Steelers fans all chanting at once. That is true. To, uh, spinning the terrible towel. I was trying to think of what the Steelers did, and I forgot they spin the terrible towel in their little uh, stadium named after uh, condiments. They should use those towels to clean up the city a little. <laughs> Maybe that's why they gave them out in the first place. But people are like, ah, no, we just spin them around. That's what we do. Now, the reports of the seismic activity uh, could be felt in towns such as uh, Guyana, which was 16.8 kilometers. I forgot to convert this because it's a South American country. That's the uh, distance they use. El Cabrachal, which was 27.9 kilometers away, and El Gapone which was 73.6 kilometers. So these are all confirmed witnesses from these towns that are claiming that they felt, I don't know if it's an earthquake, but similar to an earthquake. Um, Does South America suffer from earthquakes? I'm not even certain. Yes. Yep. They, the, there's a lot of uh, seismic activity. It's just like the West coast of the United States. They have that. It's the same ring of fire. You know, what's the interesting thing. Have you ever heard the rumor that like, UFOs can kind of control natural events on Earth, like the yes. seismic, like earthquakes and like volcanic eruptions and stuff like that. Creating hurricanes, like making them more intense or earthquakes, volcanoes. Yes, I have heard that. Would it be interesting if the the crash was failing, it crashed and then whatever part of the ship controls events on Earth malfunction and cause an earthquake as well? That'd be kind of crazy. Yeah. If they had a little earthquake gun, yeah, like or... a. Do you you've watched the uh, the uh, Nikola Tesla documentaries? I mean, they claimed he had one of them. Yes, it's kind of interesting. They, uh, I think, they claim that he got all that shit from the Akasha record. So if the aliens do also have access to that, or they put that on there, maybe that's where he got it from. Mm. Would you, if they showed you that, would you ask them who you're who you've been in a prior life? No. <laughs> I I wouldn't want it'd be somebody boring. It it'd be probably some fucking drunk farmer who got his if, arm ripped off in a machine or What if something. you used to be Charlie Chaplin? I I highly doubt it. <laughs> uh anyway, continuing on here. Now shortly after this, multiple witnesses claim they started to see a thick column of black smoke begin to rise into the sky. Naturally curious, several residents began to descend upon the scene to check out what the fuck was going on. Now, Tony Galvano apparently ran to the airstrip to jump into his Flystar airplane to begin investigating for himself through the air. Now, Tony said that thick, dense smoke was was just so thick and bad he couldn't make out anything that was uh, happening on the ground. So he took three passes over the area and just simply couldn't see anything. That is how thick the goddamn smoke it was. Plus, he thought it was getting just a little too dangerous to continue flying through the smoke, so he landed the plane. Plus, he figured if the smoke was rising up, it's too thick. Maybe he can get a better look at this object from the ground, which I kind of feel like he should have done in the first place, Tony. Well, he probably thought he could have gotten the best look from it, especially if you're a pilot. That's probably your first inkling. True, that is very true. But man, I don't. 
like think of all the different types of fires. Um, the the thickest clouds of smoke I can think of that I have witnessed personally is like if this is illegal, I understand that. But if a bunch of rednecks are burning car tires, yep, yeah, I was gonna say like, but I don't know what could be burning in the ship that could be causing this much smoke. Otherwise known as either of our farms on a Saturday afternoon. Oh yeah, your your pa wasn't opposed to burning some tires. No, that's the Crusco way. That's, uh, yeah, that's the Iowa way. And then he would always like freak out if he saw a cop car like on the road, on the highway down the road, like driving by. It's like everyone does it. It's it's fine. It, you know, I don't know. We see like them damn liberals are trying to stop us from burning tires. This is how NWO is going to start. <laughs> no, he wasn't like that. He was just doing it for convenience. <laughs> Now, Tony Calvano uh, must have been also listening to the local radio because he would later take note that call after call after call was coming in from multiple witnesses, all basically saying that they didn't know what the object was, but they were certain that it had been shot out of the sky. Now, this seems to be a very common thing with UFO, like very large UFO events like the witnesses are just coming out of the woodwork, which I think gives it a little more validity. Yeah, definitely. It is It is great when they call into a radio station. You really hope that that radio station was recording these phone calls coming in. The sad thing is a lot of the times these tape recordings automatically get put, like written over in six months. Well, you know goddamn well the uh, the radio company isn't going to pay for more tapes or anything. Oh, definitely not. No. And it costs money. the thing I was thinking, like, this is Argentina in 1995. I don't mean to disparage the country at all, but I'm assuming they're not flooded with goddamn pop radio or Metallica radio or any of that <laughs> shit like big cities have where you can't listen to anything else but these. I assume this is like a legit homegrown radio station that's taking calls in. It's just the same mariachi band playing the same three songs over and <laughs> okay, over again. Okay, you, you had to go there, didn't you? <laughs> Possibly, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a very, it seemed like from the pictures, it was a very small town. It's a fairly small town, so do you remember goddamn Cresco, Cresco's radio station? Ugh, no. Yeah. We always skipped right over it. See, it was fucking but all they played was like old, like really old songs that I'm assuming were license free. Yep, exactly. And they had high Free school play. they had high school kids running the station and it wasn't great. No, it wasn't good at all. <laughs> now once they were on the ground, Tony organized a search party uh with other concerned citizens who cover large expanses of territory, but but they claim they could not locate the object that had been shot out of the sky. Now, two days later, Tony once again took to the skies to see if he could possibly see anything again. I would assume the smoke's gone by this point. Yes. Uh, this time, Tony claims that he had came upon a very, very large impact print, which was around three miles long and about 600 meters across. Now, Damn. this would have to, if it was three miles long, that would have to be the goddamn mothership from Independence Day. Like, I'm assuming that's a skid mark, wouldn't you? Yeah, it must have skidded like a motherfucker for three miles. That's crazy. But also, I was listening in to this and just kind of thinking this Tony guy really took the initiative. Like, it's kind of. I don't know if he's like an important citizen around town, if he's like a pilot and he's organizing all of these search parties, but. Well, okay. It's either two things. He's really bored and he wants to find out what it is, which is probably what I would do or you would do. Or number two, he's grandizing his role in this whole thing. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So he's, he's definitely putting himself over. Making sure everyone knows that he was the man on, like the man in charge of this whole operation. Uh he, he probably woke up in the morning. His mom made him. Uh, <laughs> why can't they go? Wavos Rancheros. He's like Tony. <laughs> he's like Tony. I think maybe we should get in the plane and go check out that shit. 
And that's what he did. They could be. Yeah. No, tell your D&D friends to go fuck themselves. You've got fucking, uh, you've got planes, you got a plane to go get into. I mean, goddamn, if you have your own plane, you might as well be flying it around. Yeah, it's true. Now, according to Tony, it was very apparent that whatever, whatever had crashed here or was sitting here had formed an imprint that was formed by an immense amount of friction heat. So this is what he claims, like you could almost see this thing was like, liquid hot came crashing in there i guess we all know what burnt i don't want to say burnt dirt but essentially that's what it looks like kind of like that uh like the charred earth yes yeah he just said it was very apparent that something really hot had crashed in here now additionally he noticed that the trees in the area had been tossed side to side and some of them were completely ripped and torn out of the ground he also claimed that some of the trees had strange damage that almost looked like they had been sprayed with a type of acid or something. He saw all this from the air? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm assuming maybe he was flying low enough where he could see, but essentially this kind of fits into the object, really hot object came in, crashed there, maybe the a UFO or something sprays out liquids that we don't know and it melted the tree branches or whatever <laughs> in uh star trek the coolant that they use to cool down the engines like destroys uh like bio substance so maybe it's that shit <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that one of the theories that like an alien ship runs off antimatter oh yeah that was like an ep- that was the last ufo episode we did yeah that it ran off antimatter yeah What's the other? Okay, I've heard the antimatter, and then in when they saw the Foo Fighters during World War II, didn't they think it was a Mercury-based something and other? Yeah, that was the the bell, the, the German bell. bell, the Nazi bell. That was uh, that's what they think was run off of uh, spinning Mercury. Hmm. Interesting. So Mercury's not just used to kill you from eating farm-raised fish and take your temperature. Pretty much, yeah. It has another <laughs> use, apparently. Well, it must have somehow create an immense amount of energy or something to propel you. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the spinning liquid metal that when you, like, all of the oh. electricity or whatever that comes off of it. You the, know what? Uh, the magnetic force. Oh, right. I didn't even think about that. That's a good point, Phil. That's why we got you here, because you're the smart one. Yeah. Well, I like <laughs> to think so, but I'm probably not. Uh, that reminded me, so... You you remember, I don't know how long, it was a few weeks ago, I was talking about how they're, they're learning more about the Earth's core? Yes. So, I was reading an article that they actually think the Earth's core is, like, cooling down or something. Yeah, I, I saw that there's, um, the electromagnetic field in the southern hemisphere is getting weaker. Really? Yes. There's a, there's, like, a, a spot opening up where the magnetic field isn't as strong as it used to be. But they also think that it might just go through phases. You know, it's funny. You covered Antarctica last week, and I don't think I brought this up, but in that that book I read where they think Atlantis is underneath Antarctica, they think one of the main reasons is the Earth every, I think it was 13,000 years, the polarity shift. Yes. And then that causes extreme weather to shift. So like Antarctica would have been warm at one point. But then when it switched, it got frozen over. Yeah, the great documentary 2012, they were talking about that. Is that where that, well, in the book, this is in 2004 or five. I read it. So they copied it from the book, goddammit. Yeah, in the movie, the polarity shift made the North Pole, I think it was over Wisconsin. So not much change there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's move to North Pole there. The the They need a little joy. Yeah. Now, okay, so this is really interesting, too. Tony claimed that while he was flying over the crash site, almost out of nowhere, his plane just started malfunctioning. It started losing altitude, and his engine started sputtering out, so he had to make a quick emergency landing. This is interesting. I feel like I've heard this from UFOs before, that they can almost, like, make equipment not work. Disable... Trying to think what a 1990s plane, like, uh... It would have to have some electronic in it. 
Yeah, the electronics. I can see that. Okay. It's but, not just a regular gas engine with a propeller on it. Okay. Think about all the abduction cases you've heard of, like, somebody's driving and their car just dies, and then they, like, teleport to the future 45 minutes later. Yep. All the right? lost time. Right. So, Tony, I guess, was brazen enough. He landed his plane. He walked to the actual crash site itself and grabbed a little dirt to have examined. Now, this is, I think, really interesting. Tony would claim that the dirt he picked up was like nothing he had ever seen before. He referred to it later as, quote, a strange dust. Now, the dirt would be examined by specialists at the University of La Planta, or La Plata. They would find the dirt contained 99% potassium, with the remaining 2% being an unknown material. According to them, these substance levels are not recorded anywhere else on Earth. Apparently, future samples taken from this exact same area would never have the same results again. So, either the world's largest hot banana crashed into this site, or something funny's going on. I was just about to say, possibly... This UFO was piloted by Donkey Kong himself. And as the plane was crashing, he was carrying counterband bananas and he threw them out the window. And that's where all of the burnt potassium is coming from. Oh, you know what? You just led us into the perfect transition here where if those who choose to be our Patreons listen to the Time Traveler episode, you're going to learn how goddamn important being bananas are. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but it's yeah, a really important thing for the future. But I think you nailed it on the head. Donkey Kong <laughs> was flying the ship. Diddy Kong was blowing him. And he crashed into his and spilled his bananas everywhere. Yeah, just a little spoiler. Invest in Chiquita. Because yes. <laughs> <laughs> fruit and vegetables are going to become very important, especially bananas. Well, no, he said they're free. The time oh, he traveler. Said they were, he said that you, you couldn't just get them anywhere, though, right? No, he said they were free. That's why he was getting arrested for blank and blank. Yeah. We're going to leave that spoiler in then, and we're not going to spoil it. You got to listen to it there. Yeah. Now, uh, in all seriousness, though, I don't, I don't, could potassium be used for some sort of fuel source for a UFO? I don't think so. Mm, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know what a UFO would run on. It's, it's interesting. He, Once again, he's implicated himself right in on it. Like the soil that gets examined, he's the one who collected it. He's the one who brought it to the university. It's like he's really putting himself over here in a big way, like the like making himself the hero of this story. That yeah, that's kind of what I was talking about in the beginning. And in about the next five minutes, I think Phil, you're really gonna roll your eyes a little bit. Let's let's get into that before we start discussing too much here. Now, Tony and other volunteers would continue to search through the area for what seems to be several days to maybe maybe even a week after the crash. Uh, This is apparently when a bunch of black suited men traveling in black heavy duty four by four vehicles arrived. Now, according to Tony and other witnesses, when they were approached by the men in black, They told them, forget it, what's coming down is very heavy. This is the quote from the Men in Black to them, apparently. Now, this is kind of interesting. Tony claims that they told them physically, but the message they were relaying to him was almost like seared into his mind. How he translated here was like letters on fire, like a subliminal message Haha, name of the show that's burned into your fucking head. I feel like we've heard this from men in black stories as well. It's almost like a kite, like a type of hypnosis, like a, a, like an awake hypnosis where they implant this thing into your mind that keeps you from looking into shit or scares you away. Um, did we talk about a different UFO case? I can remember watching it. It was a, it was a gentleman who he came out of his house and he looked up in the sky and he, he like saw a UFO and he claims like something was telling him that he needs to go back inside. Yes. Like like something was telling him, don't look at this. You have to go back inside. Maybe it's something like that. Like like you mentioned there, like a psychic message that is just implanted in your head. Yeah. Just something 
not really like not exactly a forceful thing, but just kind of a course correction for you. Uh, we we obviously haven't covered Men in Black yet. We obviously will. Phil, do you think Men in Black are a government agency, or do you believe they might be like alien police? I used to think that they were a government agency. Um, if I had to guess anything now, I would think that they are most likely like humans and aliens kind of like working together. Um, cause I used to think it was just humans doing this. Like they were a part of like some kind of black ops or black program in the United States government. But the weird thing is you hear about them in all of these other countries too. And whenever, whenever you hear about them in other countries, they never say, Oh, they kind of sounded or looked American or they spoke Spanish poorly or whatever language, you know? So I'm thinking that they might be just part of almost like the aliens are recruiting people out of these countries, like out of their governments to take care of witnesses who see them. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. One of my favorite things I've ever heard about the men in black is essentially their 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 costumes, right? Yes. <laughs> if you were to put a rubber chicken over somebody's head, put lipstick <laughs> and eyeliner on it and like they have like a rubber face and like rubber hands. Like it almost, one of my favorite quotes was it looks like a raw chicken with makeup yeah. on it. And like, it looks like a 1970s facelift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really surprised look. Actually, you'll probably look like, uh, God, what is his name from the room? We just watched it. We were making fun of him because he oh, has like a million. Tommy Wizzo. No, no, no. His, his best friend in the movie. His best Mark, friend in the movie. Mark, Mark, the actor oh, yeah. who plays Mark has like so much plastic surgery. He looks like a Ken doll. Oh, you mean what he looks like right now? Yes. In real yeah. life. Oh, okay. Yeah. He yeah, might, the picture you showed me. Yeah. He might actually be a men in black. It looks like he's wearing like a wig in someone else's face. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, after the initial event with Tony being approached by the men in black, Tony claims he started to receive very strange phone calls like we have heard several times in the past uh, from men in black encounters. He would get the call. The person on the other end would greet him and then just remain completely silent. And you might hear them breathing on the other end. I know 100% I have heard this before. Yes, definitely. Uh, back in... I grew up, obviously, we were board farm kids. I had a, I had a lot of brothers, so we made a lot of prank phone calls. And this is kind of what it sounds like. You used to just call people and breathe really heavy? Well, when we used to like call them and, you know, sometimes we would just say hello and not say anything. Or sometimes we would try to say something funny. But it kind of sounds like a prank phone caller is what I'm saying. Mm, but you have heard this in black men in black cases before. Yes, I have. The intimidation factor. Mm. Uh, the and the um the energy weapons case you covered didn't they do this to people? Yes. Oh, that was the God, that was so long ago. That was um targeted in individuals. Yes, it was a yeah. way to like gaslight them and fuck with their head. Yep. Now apparently, after a while of receiving these phone calls, Tony Galvano decided he can't take it anymore, and he just got up. And completely moved out of the area uh, from the harassment of the men in black. Now, Tony claims from the residents that did stay in the area, the men in black remained all around this area for several years after the crash. So we're getting Tony's kind of like the main character, but he's claiming there's a lot of other sources that kind of back him up in it. But after Tony finally found out that the men in black were gone, he decided to return to the area and continue his investigation, but he didn't seem to find anything else. Almost like maybe they cleaned it up, they finally contained it, they finally hit it. I don't know. That's kind of what Tony's saying. So what do you think, what do you feel about Tony's side of the story right now? Well, it's very, I mean... Obviously, like we said before, he really does implicate him in a lot of the things that went on, including a lot of the men in black encounters. It's kind of funny to think about, like you said, that the men in black stuck around for two years thinking about them getting cheap apartments. You see them at the grocery store with their fake faces on, and <laughs> you know, that kind of that image popped into my head. But 
Yeah, it's I mean, if it's true, then it's one it's a lot like all the other stories that we hear about people being scared out of town or scared out of their homes by the harassment. But it doesn't sound like they were giving him it sounds like they were giving him like the level one of harassment. It wasn't quite like what you hear sometimes where they would break into his house or, mm. you know, cut the fucking tires on his car or do some, you know, the vandalism well, shit. Maybe or he, the air tactics. Maybe he left before they had to escalate to that point. Yeah, that's true. Now, I'm going to talk about a completely different UFO event, but I have like a grand theory after we hear this UFO event combining it with the other ones. Let me tell you about that real quick. Now, we're going to talk about the Barlow incident. Now, interestingly, around the same area, about two weeks prior to the alleged Salta UFO crash on August 2nd, 1995, the following event transpired very early in the morning. Apparently, a pilot was approaching the Barlow Airport in the foothills of the Andes Mountains. Now, this is when he was approached by a very bright white flying saucer coming at him at a very high rate of speed. Now, according to the pilot, he quickly maneuvered the plane just off course to avoid an imminent collision. Now, this event was also witnessed by several people on the ground as well, including the Argentinian military. The other interesting thing was that when this bright flying object went over the airport itself... Multiple power systems and computers began began failing, and the city itself had sections that suffered major power outages. Now, I kind of think this might be the same craft that Tony witnessed. Think about it. That craft crashed, caused his plane to start to suffer failures within it, right? Yes. And... If this craft flying over the city and the airport caused all of this damage, you would definitely think, and the Argentine military had witnessed this, you would definitely think that they would go after this craft if it ever came back. Which, if it did come back, they might have been the ones who shot the missiles at it. That is exactly what I was getting at. We have a little more to the story here, but that's kind of what I think happened, honestly. But let me let me get to that point here. Now... The pilot had almost had his first near collision with this thing, but the craft once again would come in front of the airplane. The pilot had to once again maneuver the plane out of the way to avoid it, but according to him, this time the craft turned with him. The plane and the UFO were then flying side by side for several moments. This is when the pilot noticed the UFO had two green lights on both ends of it, with an orange light that would connect between the two green lights in the center of it. After being followed for about 3,000 feet, the pilot started to actually land the plane in the airport. It seems like this is when the UFO rose at a high rate of speed and then just completely disappeared into the sky. Now, like you said, this is kind of my like rope theory, that maybe this is just a nuisance UFO, or I don't know what the hell it's doing, but when they finally located it two weeks later, the Argentinian military, or whoever controls this shit, decided to shoot it down. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of different theories about, like, what the what the fuck are these UFOs doing? And if you think about it like a human, like, if you're, say you're walking along, you're on one of your walks, and you see a squirrel, you see a squirrel thousands of times, right? You, right. Know, you see squirrels all the, all over the place. Sometimes, like every once in a while, you just kind of like stare at one for a couple minutes and like watch it running along or in the trees, something like that. I wonder if these UFOs see airplanes like hundreds of thousands of times, but every once in a while, they just kind of like look at one, like they observe it, you know? Just like, oh, I wonder what this one's doing, you know? Maybe it's like a... I don't, I don't know if they even have them, like an adolescent alien who's just like, <laughs> hey, I want to check out these dumb primates on Earth. Ooh, look at them, them and their stupid little flying craft there, their shitty little plane. I don't know. I don't know. 
it's a pimply faced alien and he's got his he's just gotten off of his permit he's just gotten <laughs> off of his driver's permit and he's flying on his own now he just goes and charts his own course like fuck this plane just flies right in front of it playing chicken doing drunk teenager shit i was gonna say he has a few bush lights and he's smoking marlboro <laughs> cigarettes and he's complaining that no other alien chicks will go out with him He's jamming to fucking, what was this, the 90s? Yeah. He's jamming to some Nirvana on the radio. Nirvana, maybe Nine Inch Nails. He's, it smells like Teen Spirit, yeah. <laughs> Whatever the uh, the alien version of Nine Inch Nails is, he's just, he's just balling out in there. He's feeling real, he's an edgy alien. He's an edgy, yeah. He's an edgelord alien. Okay, but, but in all seriousness, that's kind of the theory that I kind of think happened. Um, I, I don't, it's just such a weird series of events that you had one UFO harassing, I guess the pilot. And then two weeks later you have a UFO crash that's allegedly been shot down by two missiles. Although, Mm. like we said, you kind of pointed that Tony, I don't know, maybe he has an active imagination, but there's a lot of other witnesses as well. He's just kind of, it seems like the main guy, that everyone talked to maybe in the retelling of what happened, you know, almost every single UFO UFO event has that one person who's kind of like the front runner for the story. Yeah. I'm remembering, um, actually we were wondering if the Argentine military could actually like shoot missile, like had missile technology at the time. And I do remember that when Argentina and great Britain went to war, they were worried about Argentina's missiles. And that would have been uh, years before this. So at the time, Argentina would have had missiles of its own. I don't know if they would have been sophisticated enough to shoot a UFO out of the sky, but I do believe they would have had missiles. That, that, like you, you bringing up the South American UFO, or I'm sorry, South African UFO and all that, it kind of made, like I mentioned, it kind of makes me wonder if there's not like, I don't know if like a secret sect of military or like earth defense or something that like deals with UFOs. Maybe it's even a sect of men in black that deal with them. I don't really know, but it just seems like where these crashes happen and people claim they're getting shot down. It's almost like they have technology more advanced than the country that it happens in. We assume would have capability of acquiring themselves. Well, it's just like when you think about NASA, you think about like if there is a secret space organization within America, they supposedly have much better technology than what the public is actually able to see, like what they have. So maybe it's just like that, but with the militaries, like the public face on these, like the military technology that these countries has is in no way what they could potentially have with all the secret programs. Right. See, that's a, I think that's the ultimate question. Most of the time, I'll be honest, most of the time, we're pretty cynical on this show about conspiracies, but something about UFO events and crashes, I don't know. Sometimes I give them a little bit more of a, a leeway for actually being possible because what is, let's, let's just consider, what does Tony have to gain out of all making all of this up? Um, or other witnesses. It was in the 90s, so it's not like he could become internet famous. Um, no. <laughs> or maybe AOL.com famous. But yeah, I mean, maybe locally he could be, you know, become more famous. You would think you almost wouldn't want to come out with this shit because you would get tormented after a few years when everyone's just like, oh, I heard about it, but it's bullshit, you know? Okay, if if you saw a UFO crash, let's say out of your apartment or something, um, would you tell people right away? Well, I mean, if it happened in the middle of the city that I lived in, I think a lot <laughs> of people would see it. If it would have happened when I was in Cresco, Iowa, and when I was, if I was, if it happened to me when I was a kid, then yeah, I would have told fucking everybody. If it happened to me now, I would be reluctant. Like I'd probably tell you and a few other people, but not everyone, everyone. You know, it's, it's funny. This, uh, I'm, uh, he's a fan of Bumble, but I, I'm not certain if he's a fan of subliminal deception or not, but he sent me a video. He lives near Rendlesham forest. Right. Mm-hmm. And he said, there's always weird shit happening in the sky around there. Well, he sent me a video. I think it was from last night 
of lights that he was witnessing in the sky. And you can tell it's like a cell phone footage, right? Yeah. Pretty fucking crazy. I might have to, yeah, I might is. have to send that to you, but it's. Yeah. Send that to me. That sounds pretty cool. It you is always, awesome. You do like, they say that there is a lot of stuff that goes on in that area, but I mean, there's also, that was the site of potentially where nukes were being stored in that area. So that also could be because there is a there's a lot of conspiracy that these UFOs are coming around anywhere that nukes are being stored. I've I've kind of warmed up to that theory, too, that like aliens come where the nukes are to secretly disarm them. So the uh, humans on Earth don't like uh, blow up the Earth or kill everybody on the Earth or whatever. Keeping the planet nice for themselves. Yeah, yeah basically. For the eventual takeover when we all turn into slaves. So basically, Barry Satiro and Hillary Clinton are flying around uh, uh, disarming nukes so they have fresh blood. Yeah, no wonder they're trying to f- save the environment. Keeping it nice <laughs> for the elite. Uh, you, you saw that Bill Clinton meme I sent, right? Yes. Ooh, he does look rough. I think he, is, uh, he has cancer or something. I don't know, but it kind of looks like that. But anyway, Phil... If anybody wants to contact us, where can they do that? They can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. They can also hit us up on our website. Subliminaldeception.com, yes. Well, no. So, yeah, subliminaldeception.com. And they can also get to us on, is it Weirdos United Network? Yep, Weirdos United Network.com. It'll all take you to the exact same place. Yes, uh, the probably the best way so far until this website gets fully up and running is on our Instagram, uh, Subliminal Deception Podcast. Uh, we've heard from actually quite a few people in the last few weeks since Adrenochrome. Thanks for that. Uh, got a really great message the other day. Um, yeah, that is the best way to get a hold of us personally. My Instagram is sdpodphil. Since pandemic, I've actually started putting stuff up on it so yeah get to me on that cody you got one yeah follow my personal instagram at cody's above i'm always posting crazy people conspiracy things from the internet it's kind of fun uh the other thing is guys if you really like the show feel free to support us on patreon.com slash subliminal deception uh, we put in a lot of work in this show, and we really appreciate it if you would support us. And I guarantee you will love the audio watch-alongs. They're great. The other thing you can do is to log on to iTunes, leave the show a five-star review, type whatever you want, doesn't really matter. Uh, type something about how you were offended by Adrenochrome's episode. Those are always fun. Uh, otherwise, if you are a, a Spotify user, just hit the follow button. And you always be updated when we drop the newest episode. Otherwise, guys, I hope you enjoyed a, uh, this is almost like a refresher. Nice refreshing blast of a UFO case. Uh, otherwise, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. <laughs>